You're listening to the Grace Church Podcast, a weekly podcast dedicated to bringing you biblical guidance to life's most important issues. We want to thank you for joining us for this week's message. We pray you find strength and encouragement as we learn from God's truth together. For more information, go to visitgracechurch.com. So there I was, it was just a few weeks ago, and I'm, I'm sitting in a, a mullah's house. Uh, a mullah is like a, a pastor in Islam for, for Muslims, and so I'm sitting there, and it, it's, it's actually no ordinary house, it's a, attached to a, a mosque. And so it's, it's no ordinary thing for a North American to be at, it's no ordinary thing uh, for us to interact with a, a mullah, and the incredible thing was, is that our host was very far from ordinary. See, I want to introduce you to my friend Barzan. And Barzan is uh, the man in the white shirt right there. And, you know, we, we sat in his living room. And his living room, it has no chairs. There's no chairs sitting there. It's just this incredible rug. And we, we sit down cross-legged and, and, and we just talked. And, and it wasn't the normal talking, you know, about Pinterest or Facebook or, or what's going on in my career. It was actually a very reflective conversation. And naturally things, things turned, turned to, to faith. And, and I remember him talking about sin. And he, he was, he was talking about sin and sin is, it's a, offensive. It's how God is offended when we break his laws. And I, I remember him saying, I just don't know how to deal with sin in Islam. I don't know how to deal with it. And so our missionaries there, our, our partners, they start sharing the truth of the good news of who Jesus is with them. Just sharing it. And, and I remember just sitting there and I, I was like, oh, oh, share Romans 5.8 with them. Share Romans 5.8. Share Romans 5.8 with them. Because Romans 5.8 says, God has demonstrated his love towards us while we were yet. While we were still sinners. He died for us. See, what, what, what's... what's there's just something different about Barzan. And, and typically when I share the good news with, with uh, somebody uh, with a Muslim background, they usually say something about, man, your Bible's corrupted, the scriptures are corrupted. Or they say something about how you know, Kim Kardashian's a Christian, so we don't want to have anything to do with that. Or they say something like, man, you worship more than one God because you worship Jesus, the Spirit, and the Father. If you want to, if you want to find answers to those, just Google Muslim apologetics. I'll let you work on that on your on your own. But 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 this time was significantly different. It, it was so different. As we were leaving his house, he he looked at me and he said, "Justin, can you can you pray? Can you and your church pray for me?" And I said, "Yeah, yeah, of, of course, Barzan." I said, "Can I can I show your picture?" And he said, "Yeah." And I go, "Why do you want us to pray for you?" And he said. Well, because I cannot go on believing what I believe and do what I'm doing. I put my hand on his shoulder and I said, you can bet on your life. I'm going to show your picture. I'm going to have our whole church pray for you. And so I put my hand on it, on his shoulder and I said, are you sure that's okay? And he said, Justin, I would be, I'd be honored. I would be honored if you would do that. See, but I, I couldn't help to think, but what, what happens if our partners were hesitant to go there? Like, what happens if they just said, no, nah, I'm not going to go. I'm not going to go live in Iraq. What happens if they were hesitant? I can tell you this, that I wouldn't have been there for sure. Brian wouldn't have been there. And I can tell you this, that Barzan would have never heard 
the good news. Did you catch that? He, he would have never, never heard the good news of who Jesus was. He would have never heard or experienced the love of Christ. According to statistics. But, but here's the deal. Look at it. Forget about statistics. Like look at Barzon. He's a person. Like he's actually a real person that needs the chance to hear the life-giving message of, of this Jesus that we follow. Like he needs it. But, but here's the, for some reason in us, in mankind, there's this hesitation. There's this hesitation to go. There's this hesitation to do. Sometimes there's this hesitation to obey. But we're in good company. See, we're in good company because even a man that walked with Jesus, that saw Jesus, that experienced who he was, even he was hesitant to go. See, this weekend's going to be a little bit different. I'm not going to give you points on the screen that you can write down. I'm going to trust that God's Word is powerful and that you can get something out of Acts chapter 10. So we're going to be in Acts chapter 10. If you have your Bibles, your smartphones, whatever you, you got, grab those. If not, I'm going to have the verses here on the, on the screen. So just make sure you, you follow along and see what God wants to say to you. Okay, He wants to speak. And so let's see what he has. So I'm going to pray and then we'll hop into Acts chapter 10. Uh, Father, thanks that we get to do this. God, for some reason, I don't know, you delight in preaching. I have no idea why, but you do. And it doesn't matter if it's one-on-one or in a group or on a stage, God, for some reason you delight in it. I just pray that you would speak, pray that you would use, uh, um, you know, a messed up guy like myself to communicate your word where it would actually have some change in us. Pray all these things in your son's name, Jesus. Amen. So Acts chapter 10, let me introduce it real quick to you, but but we've got this guy named Cornelius. Cornelius shows up on the scene, and here's the odd thing. Cornelius is something called a Gentile. A Gentile is basically the easy definition is anybody that is not a Jew. Right? Anybody that's not a Jew. And so so the fascinating thing about this is that that Christianity has not spread yet during this time in history to anybody that is not Jewish. And so check this out. Verse 2, Acts chapter 10, verse 2. It says, A devout man, Cornelius, and one who feared God with all his household, who gave alms that he gave to the poor, generously to the people, and prayed to God always, about the ninth hour of the day he saw clearly a vision An angel of God coming in and saying to him, Cornelius! And when he observed him, he was afraid and said, What is it, Lord? So he said to him, Your prayers and your alms, your giving, have come up for a memorial before God. Like, put yourself in that situation real quick. You know, if I was in that situation, yeah, I would probably be a little freaked out that I just saw an angel. But the other hand, I would go, God can hear me, yo. Not only can he hear me, but yeah, yeah, I'm the man because I give and he notices. That's what I would probably do because I'm sort of a proud guy. But anyway, so here, this is actually proof. This is actually proof that God hears people's prayers. This is proof that they're actually people, he hears people that don't follow him. And so you've got this vision that happens and the vision continues. And he says, Cornelius, go find Peter. Peter's this guy, he walked with Jesus, and he even told him where he would be. And then he does this amazing thing. This amazing thing, Acts chapter 10, verse 7, says, And 
When the angel who spoke to him had departed, Cornelius called two of his household servants and a devout soldier from among those who waited on him continually. See, Cornelius said, hey, the people that are in my community, the devout soldiers, the two in my household, I'm going to gather them. And you know what? God's just spoke and he wants to reveal something to us. And so I'm going to grab my community and I want them to hear not only where I get it for me, but so other people get it. And so he grabs them and, and they, oh, they obey immediately. Like immediately, they don't wait around, they don't think and wander and ponder. They go immediately. They start their journey. And so at first, that day one, it's all about Cornelius and his posse. And then over here, it, it starts to change. The second day happens in, in, in the story shifts to Peter. And Peter, you see, Peter is this amazing guy. It's almost like God doesn't make this type of type of human being anymore. My, he, 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 he's like, he toes the line on, on out of control and, and in control. He's, he's impulsive, but I, I think in a, in a good way. He does all these amazing bold things. He walks on water with Jesus. He actually tells Jesus. He challenges him. I mean, he's incredibly bold, but he has this thing called diarrhea of the mouth. Okay. Diarrhea of the mouth is when you you take your mouth and it's attached to your brain and whatever you think just falls out of your mouth. It's a challenge. We're going to see how it's a challenge here here in just a second. But but here's the deal. He had been with Jesus. So the next day, after Cornelius' experience, Peter's there and he's praying like a good follower of Jesus. And then Acts chapter 10, verse 10. It says, then he became very hungry and wanted to eat. But why they made ready, right? Why they were cooking it up, he fell into a trance. Okay, trance, it's a, it's a funny word in the Greek. It actually means that he had an emotional experience. He, he actually was borderline lunatic. So oh, hang with me for a second right here. You, you ever been hangry before? You know, you know what hangry is? That's when you're hungry and angry at the same time, you know? It's like when you're in McDonald's drive-thru, you drive up. I know you guys don't go to McDonald's, or at least you won't admit it, right? So whatever, whatever drive through you're in, and you got the kids in the back, and they're saying, hey, I want, I want, I want, I want, I want, and then you go, you know what? Shut up, and I hope this chicken nugget burns your face off. <laughs> Hopefully, you guys, I've experienced that probably because I have emotional experiences when I'm hangry. So, so he's in this trance-like state. And he, ha- he has this vision, right? And think of a bed sheet tied at all four corners. And this sheet, it, it opens up. And inside that sheet, there's a bunch of juicy steaks. Technically, it's a bunch of animals. Okay, so there's a bunch of animals in the sheet. And it, it, it's coming down. And, and God says, hey, Peter. He calls him by name. It's so just sweet. God says, hey, Peter, rise up. Kill and eat. See, there were some unclean animals, and according to the law and some tradition, they weren't supposed to cl- eat these unclean animals. And so, so, so Peter says, I don't know where he was looking. I don't know, maybe into heaven. And he goes, no. Nope, I'm not going to do it. And then God says, hey, 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 Peter, rise up, eat. And he says, nope. No, not going to do it. And then a third time it comes to him and he says, Peter, rise up, eat. You know what he says? Not going to do it. Not going to do it. I'm not going to do it. 
in the midst of all this, in the midst of all of it, God says something quite uh, shocking. But the, the, the thing is, is he denied Jesus three times, and apparently he didn't, didn't, he didn't remember or he didn't learn from denying Jesus three times. So then he tells God no three times. You guys ever tell no to God before? Have you heard that? Can you believe that? I can't because I do it all the time, right? I say no to him all the time about stuff. But, but, but check this out. In the midst of all that, he says this. Acts chapter 10, verse 15, he says, And a voice spoke to him again the second time. This is between, so in the midst of that story, he says, What God has cleansed, what God has cleansed, you must not call common or unclean or filthy or dirty. He's saying, hey, hey, listen, these things are clean now. But look at, look at Peter's response. Acts chapter 10, verse 17 and 19, he says, Now why Peter wondered. In the next 19, it says, why Peter thought. So he's just sitting and he's thinking and he's thinking and he's wondering and he's pondering. Think about Cornelius. He obeys God immediately, says yes, and does what he says. But then you got Peter. He says, no, no, no. Think, think, think. Something's about to change. See, something's about to change because this is what happens. The next thing Peter knows, there's a knock, knock, knock on his door. And these guys come in and they say, hey, we've got this friend. His name's Cornelius and we want you to come with us. And we're going to go on this day's journey up into a place. It's going to be about eight hours of walking, maybe a little bit more. And by the way, we're not Jewish. And so during the time, you're, everybody's going to look at us. They probably will look at us really funny because we're going to travel up into a different area. And you know what? This doesn't even make sense that we're going to be together, but we want you to come with us. And Peter says, okay. He, he, he risks it and he says, okay, I'm going to do what you said. So I'm going to say, no, no, no. Think, think, think. Okay, I'm going to go, God. But God says something to him in the midst of that story. He says, hey, don't doubt, by the way, and go with these guys. Maybe he was just directly telling him because he wasn't listening very well in the beginning. So, so, so they make this journey, they make this journey to Caesarea in verse 24, it says, in the following day, they entered into Caesarea. Now Cornelius was waiting for them and had called together his relatives and close friends. You know, it's an act of God when he, when he gathers his in-laws to hang out at his house. You know what I'm saying? Like he gets his in-laws, he gets his relatives, he gets everybody. He gathers them. This is an amazing thing. He was saying basically, yo, Peter's walking in. In verse 27, it actually says that Peter walked into the living room and he looked around and he there were many, many people. And Peter's basically saying, yo, we're about to have church today. We're about to have church right now. And But the amazing thing is... Cornelius grabs all of his community. He grabs his grace group because when God is about to teach you something or he teaches you something, it's not just for you. It's for your community and it's for people directly. That's why you should be in a grace group and serve and give and all that stuff. Okay, but check this out. He gets into this room and listen to what the first thing Peter says. Just listen to it. Peter says, you know how unlawful it is for me, a Jewish man, to keep company with you or go to another nation. But God has shown me that I should not call any man common or unclean, filthy, dirty. This is his aha moment. But literally, he's having this diarrhea of the mouth moment right here. And he's he, he's saying, you know what, by the way, hey, uh, you're dirty, you're despicable. I can't believe I'm here. 
This is like a serious cultural faux pas. You think about Barzan. What happens if I walked into Barzan's living room and I said, Hey, Barzan, you know, I've got, there's people in America, they all think you're a terrorist and that I shouldn't probably be here. Like, what, you think he would listen to anything I said if I said that to him? That's what's happening here. But see, this is, this is the uh, amazing thing about this passage. Because Peter says all that stupid stuff. And then he says, but there's this guy. And his name is Jesus. And then he preaches. Look at ver- verse 39. It says, and we are witnesses of all the things which he, Jesus, did both in the land of the Jews and in Jerusalem, whom they killed by hanging on a tree, by on a cross. Him God raised up on the third day and showed him openly, not to all the people, but to witnesses chosen before by God, even to us who ate and drank with him after he arose from the dead. So he's talking about Jesus. He's starting the Jesus part. And then you have the next section. And he commanded us to preach to the people and to testify that it is he who was ordained by God to be judge of the living and the dead. To him, all the prophets witness. To him, all the prophets witness that through his name, through the name of Jesus, whoever believes in him will receive remissions of sin, will receive freedom from sin, will receive pardon from sin, will be broken from the bondage of sin. So he preaches. This is actually a monumental moment in the gospel story. It's a monumental moment in Christianity because here's the deal. It was only going to the Jewish people first. And then it says, you know what? We're going to reveal this to Gentiles. If he doesn't get this message, most likely you and I are not getting this message. So you, you start thinking of it and you go, man, the, okay, there's the, the travel, the trance, the, the, the vision, the thinking, the praying, the wandering, but it was also the gospel could be revealed. It was also the gospel could be revealed. And the story is that nobody is too dirty, nobody is too broken, nobody is too messed up, nobody is too screwed up, nobody is that messed up that they cannot be forgiven. Amen? They get, then they get baptized. And here's the deal. I think God gave us Peter. I think he gave us Peter because he's saying, you know what? You can mess stuff up the first time. You can mess it up. You can walk in and say some stupid stuff. But get it right later. See, don't miss this. God literally, check this out. Think about it. Literally, Cornelius sees an angel, and that angel could have spoken exactly what God wanted. But for some unearthly reason, some reason I have no idea, he said, you know what, I want to grab mankind. I want to grab mankind that's going to mess it up the first time. They're going to say stupid things out their mouth. But you know what? I'm going to grab them and I'm going to say, you know what? I want to use you even though I could have said it better through that angel. Why did he use us? I don't have any idea. I don't have any idea. You know, I, I look around here, Grace Church. I, I look at our partners uh, over in foreign fields and people just sitting in the pew next to you. And I think about how some of you have pushed through hesitation. This is our, our partner in Iraq, their door, our missionaries there. This is literally their door, and they have tile walls. And so they'll grab a dry erase marker, and they'll write different verses in the day, you know. And, and as they're walking out, they try to look at those verses. And this is the one when I was there, when I walked through it. This is the, the one that I saw. It says, on the day I called you, 
On the day I called, you answered me. You made me bold. Okay. They live in Iraq. And they're still asking for boldness? They live in, they live in Iraq. Like, seriously, they're asking for boldness? But here's the deal. They push through hesitation. They push through fear. And they said, you know what? I'm going to take my family and we're going to live here because people need to know the message of Jesus and the message of his love towards mankind. I think of uh, Katie and Mark Bro. We just had a team go to North Africa and... This is Katie right here. And man, she was so anxiety-filled. She had so much hesitation. She was afraid to go, and she had a 100 questions. I remember sitting down with uh, her and Mark uh, at, at dinner, and she was like, I don't know, what do I wear? Do I wear a hijab? Do I, what, what do I wear? What do I bring? Do I bring medical supplies? How are we going to get visas? How are we going to go through the airport? How, what, what are we going to do? We're going to take kids to a water park? Oh, my goodness. I'm going to take 80 kids to a water park? What happens if one of them gets hurt or drowns or something? What, what's going to happen? Mark was so hilarious because Mark, if you, if you know him, he's like... It'll be fine. And it's, it'll be all right. If you know Mark, this was a fairly good impression of him too. So hopefully he won't judge me later for that. But they, they push through the hesitation. They go to northern Africa. They share Jesus and ten kids come to faith. Ten. It's amazing. I think a, a Trevor Campbell. Trevor Campbell, I'm so proud of him. He's down here. He is preaching at what we call Church Under the Bridge. Church under the bridge, we go out and we minister to the hardcore homeless, help them with a meal, and we, we sit there and we share the love of Christ. And he's, listen, Trevor's not receiving love back from the hardcore homeless. He's going down to share it and give it without anything in return. No reciprocation. None. If three, three years ago, if you would have looked at Trevor and he said, hey, Trevor, you're going to preach downtown under a bridge with the Bible, he would have go, man, what, what drugs are you on? That's what he would have said. But he pushed through hesitation and he, now he brings his family down there. All of them. And his kids are getting picked up by homeless people and hugged and kissed on and they leave smelling like smoke. But you know what? They're sharing the love of Jesus and they're risking it. I think of Paul and Kim. Paul and Kim, are, uh, they, they lead a grace group and our mission trip dates didn't work for them. So you know what they did? They pushed through the hesitation. They didn't just say, okay, well, they don't work, so we're not going to go. They said, you know what? We're going to schedule our own, and we're going to do our own. So what? you know what they did? They scheduled it. It's amazing. They pushed through hesitation, and they, they, they did it. I think of Jack and Sarah Laptad. Jack and Sarah Laptad, you know, they were pretty hesitant to go over and minister over at a place, an apartment complex called Harrison Square. And so... They did it. They said, yeah, okay, we'll do it for a week or a month, and we'll probably stop doing it. So they go, and then there's an apartment fire, and you know who's there? Jack and Sarah. To share love. To share the love of Christ. See, here's the deal. Church. Church is not a country club. It's not, it's not a country club. Listen, we say we help the poor, the widow, the fatherless. Is a church a bunch of professionals? Are you just a bunch of professionals? Or are you people rallying around what God has asked us to do in the great co-mission? Are we going to rally around and try to fill heaven? Or are we just going to sit back and be professionals first? Are you, are you a professional student first? Are you a professional pastor first? Are you, are you a professional whatever you're doing first? 
Or are you a person that's on mission to share the love of Christ with your neighbors, your coworkers, your friends? And who knows, maybe just, maybe some of you will say, you know what, I am going to take the gospel to the ends of the earth. I am going to go live in a different country. I am going to go learn a different language. And I am going to share the love of Jesus because that's what we're supposed to do. Otherwise, we're just sitting here in padded pews, just joking around, acting like we're doing something. Instead of rallying around the mission of God. Let's go do something. Let's go do it. That padded pew is not for your comfort. It's so you can get equipped where you can grab some of the word of God and you can go out and share the love of Christ and his mission with the rest of the world so we can extend his kingdom. Let's get vulnerable for a second. You know, you guys love social media. Right, and you get the filter on. Let's get the filter on, make us all look good. But get, get vulnerable for a second. All right, get vulnerable and, and grab grab your Insta story or whatever you're on, and, and tag Grace Church in it. But but just look at it and and video yourself and say, you know what? This is why I'm hesitant to go. Don't let, don't let the answer be fear. Here's the deal, because the Bible says. I know some of you don't acknowledge the Bible as the Word of God, but but it does say that God has not given us the spirit of fear. He hadn't given us the spirit of fear, but He's given us the spirit of power. So if we're afraid, if we have fear, is it from God? I don't think so. It ain't from God. Amen. Right? It is not. He's not given us the spirit of fear, but the spirit of power. So why am I afraid? What is it? Where is that fear coming from? So one, okay, maybe it is a spiritual attack. Maybe it's fearful because you don't think that God can overcome your sin. Maybe you're afraid or you're hesitant because of your sin and your lust or your envy or your divorce or or the depression you're experiencing or your addiction to pornography, whatever it is. Listen, it's this weird thing of idolatry. What idolatry is, is when we raise something above God, when we take that fear, that hesitation, or whatever our sin is, and we we raise it above God, that's actually idolatry. And so we're saying, you know what? My sin, my fear, my hesitation is actually more powerful than God. Here's the deal. Maybe, just maybe, God says, in the middle of your junk, in the middle of your junk, I want to use you. You know, he, he, you know yesterday, it's not today, but yesterday, I, I fought with my wife for about two hours. I know you guys never experience anything like that, but, but I, I fought with her for two hours, and then I was supposed to come up here, and I was supposed to act like I'm all spiritual, and I have got it all together because I'm the guy on the stage. So we fought for two hours. And I think what God was saying was, Justin, you know what? I'm going to use you in the midst of your junk. I'm going to use you in the midst of your junk. And you can stand out up here and you can preach your guts out. And maybe just one person, maybe just one person will say, you know what? I'm going to go do something. Just one. So what, 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 what does this mean for us on Monday morning? Like, what does it really mean? I didn't share, I'm going to get Bible nerdy on you for a second, but, but uh, I didn't share this verse, Acts chapter 10, verse 1. It says, God has raised up a horn of salvation for us in the 
Actually, this is not Acts chapter 10, verse 1. We didn't put it up yet. Actually, I didn't have it up. I'm just supposed to quote it to you. So Acts chapter 10, verse 1, we're going to back up. Acts chapter 10, verse 1 says, there was a man in Caesarea. That man, that word Caesarea means severed. It means apart from God, called Cornelius. See, Cornelius, his, his name means of a horn. Now let's check out Luke chapter 1, verse 69. It says, and has raised up a horn of salvation. So listen, God has this desire to, to take people that are severed, that are apart from God. And then that word horn, that the horn of salvation there, the horn of salvation means that there's a mighty, valiant helper, the author of deliverance. The author of deliverance of salvation for us. So he's literally saying, you know what? I desire to have people that are far from God, that are apart from God, that are cut off from God. I want to bring them back. And he's given us a deliverer in Jesus so we can know him. So here's your action point. If you're not a follower of Jesus, man, give your life to him today. Throw your life at him. Like give it all to him. Give it all to him. Here's the deal. Let's fair, let's, let's, let's stare that fear and that hesitation. Let's stare that fear and hesitation right in the face and let's say, not today, fear. Not today because I'm gonna push past this. I'm gonna do something. I'm gonna extend his kingdom because he deserves it and the world deserves it and the world is dependent upon it because for some reason he's decided to use people that are messed up. Let's say I don't want comfort. I don't want to sit in the padded pew and be comfortable. I want to go. I want to do something. I want to leave a legacy. Here's, here's my prayer for our church right here. This is a Charles Spurgeon quote. He was a, a, a famous preacher, pastor. And he's, he, he, he writes this. He says, if sinners be damned, if those lawbreakers be damned, at least, at least let them leap to hell over our dead bodies. And if they perish, if they perish, let them perish with our arms wrapped about their knees, imploring them, begging them to stay. And if hell, if hell must be filled... Let it be filled in the teeth of our exertions, where we're gritting our teeth, where we're trying, where we're trying to get them to escape hell. And let not one, let not one go unwarned or unprayed for. Let's pray. God, do what you do. Move us with whatever, with compassion, with emotion. I, I, don't, I don't care. Just do something, God. Move among us so we can go out and extend your kingdom into all of the earth. Thank you for listening to this week's message. If you have questions or would like to contact us for prayer, please email us at info at visitgracechurch.com. For more information about our ministries, location, and service times, go to visitgracechurch.com.